while you are sitting down, did, did everyone notice with me this morning that um, firstly, we had Rachel Wake back from YWAM and now leading us in worship. Rach, fantastic. And, and if that wasn't enough, we had Luke Sexton after how many years is it, Luke? Eight years since Luke, Luke left our, our team and went and was part of another church with a great big group of young adults. Eight years later, returned. Luke on the drums. Did you see that? Isn't that good? I had a big smile on my face when I walked in and saw that this morning. Now listen, another thing too, um, and, and I wanted to talk to you personally about this because, uh, because I mucked up. I got, I got an email about this and didn't get to it in time. Michael and Mary Sekatanis, they're sitting right up the very back in the back row. There they are. Michael and Mary, remember we, we support Michael and Mary and pray for them each year as they go over to Greece and sometimes to Albania as well distributing Bibles and doing this awesome mission that they do there. Hellenic Ministries is the, is the mission that they are connected with and work with. It's a great mission too. It's a really, really good mission. Um, and so a couple of people from Hellenic Ministries are going to be in town just for a few days this coming Friday night, okay? Everyone say Friday night. I know you got that. Friday night, this coming Friday night at Michael and Mary's house, which is at number 34, Gravilia Drive, I went to say there, where's my sense of direction? 34 Gravilia Drive, Mill Park, 7 o'clock this Friday night. You can go along there and hear these couple of guys, um, Steve and Nico, from Hellenic Ministries. And I promise you, that's a night well spent. That's a night well spent. If you'd like to go along Friday night, 7 o'clock, uh, Michael and Mary, we'd love to see you. Hey, to God's word, costs too much sometimes, doesn't it? You know, when. You want to get something, but it costs too much. You might remember a scene out of this movie that explains it. Steve is an apprentice mechanic, but he spends most of his time reading the trading post. He just loves yeah. buying and trading. Ergonomic chairs, four of them. What do you want? 180. He's dreaming. Dad, 450. But jousting sticks. Tell him he's dreaming. How much is a jousting stick worth, Dad? Well, it couldn't be more than 250 And on the condition. Dad, some guy's selling an overhead projector. Nah. Now, hang on, Steve. What's he asking? 150 Tell him he's dreaming. Yeah. Dad, what's a pulpit? Where the minister gives his sermon from. How much? 800 you know, it's something just costs. It's just going to cost too much. I felt the cost sometimes. You know, the heavy, the heavy price, the test. When I was a police officer back in 1991, um, I, I did the Victoria Police Detective Training School. And I can remember even before that, 1986, when I graduated from the police academy, I marched out there. You'd like to see me march? <laughs> march out, you know, and salute the commissioner, talk to him. And he says, Jeffrey, what would you like to do with your career in the police force? I said, sir, I want to be a detective. And I want to work in one of the major crime squads. So that's what I was gunning for all along. You know, though, back in those days, I'm not sure how much it's changed these days, but back in those days, it was no soft touch to get into what used to be called the criminal investigation branch, the CIB. 
You had your whole work performance, work performance a bit like, a, like a, a portfolio assessed over six months, um, then followed from that, scrutinised, uh, followed by detailed references and ratings, and then a, a written exam, and then if you pass that exam, pass mark 60%, not 50, 60%, if you pass the exam, then you go before a gruelling selection board. And that was just to get in. And then, once you got in, you had to complete the notorious detective training school at the old Russell Street Police Complex. And this course, uh, detective training school, 12 weeks, five areas of assessment in the course, you had to pass each area. So you had to get 60% or more in each area, but you had to average 75% over the five of them, all right? And only one chance. If you fail the course, that's it. No, you can never do it again. In other words, you can't be a detective. 12 weeks. And it was just a complete write-off of life. Nothing else for 12 weeks. And then, you know, so I do the detective training school, did manage to pass, thank goodness. And then I really... You know, as I'm a detective, I want to become a homicide detective. So I, I, I find myself like I, I travel to the University of Louisville in Kentucky, in America, and I'm studying a homicide investigators course there, paying for it myself, doing for it on my annual, doing it on my annual leave. Because I really, this is what I really want. But you know, there's times all the way through that, especially in that 12 weeks of detective training school, thinking, man, is this really worth it? It's a high price to pay. What a huge test. I bet you, I bet you you've had some big tests in life too. And, and I'm totally confident that there are people here this morning who are in the middle of a test right now. Maybe you've made your way, maybe you're making your way through not just some tests, but some mammoth testing grounds. So you want integrity in your life, yeah? You want it badly. But the sacrifice to get that, Beck just spoke about the openness and the vulnerability and the honesty and the confession every time that you do compromise your integrity. It's a mammoth test. Not like yesterday, I get a phone call from my friend. He's, um, he's a pastor. He's on his way away for the weekend. He's traveling separately to his family. His family won't be getting to where they're going to until later that night. And he's saying, hey, Jeff, can you, can you just check up on me? And can you just pray for me? Because I'm going to be down there for several hours with my computer and no one there with me. I don't want to screw up. See, the, the price, the price of integrity. Maybe, maybe you'd give anything or, or almost anything. Maybe you'd give anything, you know, like tell, him, tell you you're dreaming. <laughs> maybe you'd give almost anything so your life could amount to something significant and meaningful you'd love it but but this but the mammoth test when you've got to walk through obscurity 
to get there. You've got to pay the price of loneliness in leadership. Leadership looks glamorous and popular, but often it's lonely. Getting stuck out in the desert of nobodiness. That's a big price to pay for your life to mean something. You know that idea, don't you? You know that idea that we've got to test things out. Okay? So what's this? This is some testing. What's the testing? place in the world like Haynes, Alaska because you've got these huge steep peaks that come straight out of the ocean and these maritime storms that roll through off the ocean that just stick to the steepest stuff in the world. Um, and it's easy to get to, it's easy to fly to, uh, super accessible and we have the time of our lives up here. There's a lot of history here in Haines, not just from a free skiing perspective, big mountain skiing, but for us, this is where we started designing and testing Eddie Bauer's gear right here in Haines, Alaska. Really what we wanted to do was test the gear at the highest level and then put it to the biggest test and felt like Haines was, was the place to do that. not until you're actually out in the field in like the real life situation where you're so you're having to open that pocket you know constantly and like that stuff you don't really get a full grip on until you're really in that scenario so you know it's very cool that we're able to capture all this cool imagery but then on top of that be further developing the product we're definitely making the best products that we possibly can and as much as I'd like to say we have the perfect product you know I don't think anybody ever will we're just always improving a small little tweak can make a huge difference when you're actually utilizing that product in the environment it was built for. Sometimes we're out there beating it up, tearing it up, finding out where those weaknesses are, uh, but that's all part of the deal. You know, it's about getting out there and uh, testing the gear at the highest level and making it better each time around. They've been trying to sign me up to be one of their, one of their helpers as well, but I've been a bit busy, so I can't go. But um, sometimes, sometimes the price that we're asked to pay, listen in, friends, sometimes the price, price that we're asked to pay for something that is good just seems a bit too high, doesn't it? Also, sometimes the test that we're asked, sometimes we're even forced, not asked, to endure, just feels a little bit too hard and a lot too long. We wonder if we're going to survive it. So we wanted to ask this morning, how does God see the tests in our lives? You in the testing ground? Mammoth testing? Seriously doubting whether or not you can pass the test? Maybe you're glancing ahead to the future and just predicting that you won't pass it. You're wondering if it's worth it. It's a little too hard, a lot too long. Need someone to tell you this morning. You're dreaming. Tell him he's dreaming. Check out Abraham. We're, we're nearly through his life now. Just one more week to go after this. We've been in, seen him for a few, few weeks, and we've seen him in a few tests, haven't we? 
Do you ever notice how the tests seem to get bigger and bigger during life and they get harder and harder and they get longer and longer? Well, if you thought you knew what we meant by a mammoth test, come take a look at this one. And by the way, you're going to find this this morning, this, this story, God's Word. If you've got your Bible, open up Genesis chapter 22. It's loaded with God's words and they're going to help you and strengthen you in your test. And if it's not your test right now, the test that's coming, even if it's mammoth. Look in Genesis chapter 22. It says, later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Hey, God does this, friends. He did it then and he does it now. He tests us. Okay, so God tested Abraham and he tests us. Now, testing. Sometimes it's testing like an exam. You know when you do an exam at school? It just finds out how much you've learned. Sometimes it's testing like the Eddie Bauer ski guides. It's, out, it's in the field, on the slopes, under extreme conditions, and it's to find out if it's good enough. Like, and if it's not good enough, why isn't it good enough? Sometimes it's testing like the training that I go to each week, the privilege as the chaplain to go to Richmond Football Club and watch there. The training, the, the, the training and the testing is practicing the techniques. It's practicing the ways that we think will work, seeing what goes wrong. One way or the other, listen to this, this is critical, tests are all about learning, about growing. And guess what? The bigger the test, the more good that's at stake. Now, come looking at me. Sorry, looking with me. When the test is mammoth. Um, before this test happens, you're going to see that there's preparation for the test, even though Abraham didn't know it. God never, ever sends a test or a trial, not a big one, not a small one, not a mammoth one, without preparing us. And he says this, have you seen this before? It's in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. Might be really hard, might be really bad, but it won't be one that's that's brand new. Someone's had to face something like that before. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He will never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Tests and trials. You know what? They're God's vote of confidence in us. God's keen to see how we've gone so far in our pain, in our suffering. When we're you know, way out on the other side of the conflict with someone else. You know, we've been through the conflict and we've, we've had the hard yards and the hard discussions and the hard talks and, and we're, we're just starting to breathe breath again. So now he's got a test then to help us to see well, how we're going. He serves me up, Jeff Shepherd. he serves me up test after test. Some of you guys know um, the old, you know, demon in my life and, and the thing that's been really difficult for me, getting separated from my family. So in a few weeks' time, when I go to the Philippines, 
Um, and it's going to, you know, I'm going to travel there uh, and it's going to be a test for me. I know it'll be a test. I still know the day and the, <laughs> the approximate time when Jake, my son, who's over there, he's going to drive me to the airport in Manila. We're going to say goodbye. Um, Non-passengers can't get into the airport in Manila, so we say goodbye at the front of the airport. In I go, and I spend the next few hours going through queues and customs and everything else, waiting for my flight, flying home, got to fly to Singapore, and then fly all the way from Singapore to Melbourne. I know, that's my test, eh? Come on. How will I go? Uh, how, Jeff, how, after these few years of difficulty and pain and, and, and professional help in trying to work it through, how are you going? been separated from your family you know god's got to get us tested god's got to get us tested on the lower peaks before we can go up to the lofty summits you're going to ski hills like that you have to learn on the nice easy slopes first so look here it's in genesis chapter 22 what we just read Later on, do you see that? Later on, see, now that's after what had happened. We've been through this the last couple of months. After his son Isaac was born, yeah? After he'd sent Hagar and Ishmael away. But after all the waiting. And after, if you look back at Genesis chapter 21, verse 33, just before this chapter starts, Abraham's had a beautiful brand new experience with God. He's actually seen God there. You read it. He says that he calls God now the everlasting God. He's never called him that before. So he's planted a tamarisk tree there to mark the occasion, to commemorate it. After that, after all that stuff, later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replies, here I am. God's testing. I look back now. My own time of severe testing, it's been over these last couple of years, it's been going on for a few years, but the real severe test in the last couple of years. And you know, I never, I didn't see that severe test coming or the intensity of it, didn't see it. Life was ticking along okay. I thought I was getting by okay, just trying to work through. But you know what? And I've told you about this before. My, my beautiful, friendly, much-loved sister Esther Cathy says, Hey, why don't you read these books? These two beautiful books all bound together in one. One's called Humility and one's called Absolute Surrender, both written by Andrew Murray. She cheerily says to me one night, why don't you ever read of these? Great. I love reading. And those books, plus other things that happen, not just those books, but over the first few months of 2017, God getting me prepared for what was ahead. I didn't know it. But he was getting me prepared. My friend, God will prepare you even if you don't see it even if you have no idea even if you make no connection between what's happening and what's about to happen he will prepare you and listen in he will not let you be tempted or tested or tried beyond what you can bear 
He might let you be tempted or tested or tried beyond what you think you can bear, <laughs> but not beyond what you can bear. The bigger the test, the more good that's at stake. Hey, keep following with Abraham because then the test comes. And you see, when it comes, it's sudden and there's no real warning. The old patriarch Abraham crawls into bed one night. And as he does, I mean, like when he crawls into that nice little bed, life is beer and skittles for him right now. It's good. It's rosy. He's being courted by King Abimelech. He's got his young son Isaac. We don't know exactly how old he is, but he's only young. He's nothing but joy. He's a, Abraham, he's been called, and we, we call him in this, a friend of God. He's a happy, happy man when he gets into bed that night. We'd be envious. Like He's got it made in the shade. His life trials, he's been through a lot of life trials, but they're over now. Now we can sit back and enjoy it. But friends, it's not often that the express trains of heaven are announced by a warning bell. They seem to just arrive in the station. Abraham goes off to bed he drops off to sleep. Winston Churchill, I love the way he talked about sleep. He called it blessed oblivion. Blessed oblivion. No clue of what's going to come during the night, let alone the next morning. Somehow, and we're confident that it's during the night, whether it's through a vision, through an encounter with God, whether he wakes up, whether he dreams it. Look what happens. God says to him, take your only son. Look at this with me. Take your only son. Isaac, whom you love so very much, take him and go with him to the land of Moriah. And you want to see a mammoth test? Hey, sit up and look. You want to see a mammoth test? A mammoth test? Look at this. Tell him, tell God surely he's dreaming here. Look at this test. Sacrifice your son there as a burnt offering. I know it's repulsive. But that's what God says, sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I'll point the mountain out to you when you get there. Are you for real? You get your head around this one. I dare you. I can't. I've never been able to get my head around this. I don't know how I ever will. This will be one of the first things that I want to ask Jesus about when I can. You know the big mysteries in life? How on earth could God ever ask a father to kill his child. And if he could, trust me, I now know, now know a little from firsthand about what we call childhood trauma. Even if God could somehow get off at asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, what was God thinking about Isaac? How do you get your head around that? Hey, I don't have answers to those questions today. I might sound like I'm angry about it. Hey, I'm not, because I really, I believe, I know with all my heart there are answers. I just don't have them. Abraham, this son you waited till your 100th birthday for. 
Abraham, this son that you actually waited 25 years after I promised you you'd have him to fulfill my promise. He's the only son you've got. You love him? I promised you that you're going to be the father of so many descendants you won't be able to count them. Well, I mean, you're going to need to have a son. And I actually promised you that not only will you have them, but this child, Isaac, is the one through whom you'll have them all. Take him up on the mountain. I'll show you which mountain when you get there. And kill him. You're kidding me. You're kidding me, aren't you? And it's sudden, there's, there's no warning, so it gets worse because the next morning, there's no apparent, in the Bible, hesitation from Abraham. But God only knows what he was thinking, what he was feeling. It makes, it makes me feel sick just trying to imagine it. There's no procrastination, though. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chops the wood to build a fire for the burnt offering and sets out for the place where God told him to go. That's what we call instantaneity. Quality of being instant or immediate. And it's a pretty good mark of maturity when we can act on the ask of God quickly. Not hesitating, not waiting not delaying starts the test off well the bigger the test the more good that's at stake and this test goes to the heart this story hurts look 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 at it on the third day of the journey abraham saw the place in the distance must have known that's the place god wants stay here with the donkey he tells the young men the servants the boy and i will travel a little farther we will worship there and then we will come right back We will come right back. The boy and me. But God told him to sacrifice the boy. So what's he, what's he thinking? You know, it's written about thousands of years later in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had promised him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham assumed, let's us into his thinking, he assumed that even if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. You know, nothing else can go to Abraham's heart like Isaac. I mean, we can say we love someone uh, like Abraham could say he loves God, but words are cheap in the end, friends, aren't they? The only true test of love is what we're prepared to do for the one that we profess to love. Crazy. How could God keep his promise but let Isaac die? You get the hint early, though, that on their way up the mountains, and, and Abraham's telling these servants, hey, we'll be back. We're just going to go a bit further and worship. We'll come back. But can you imagine, like, even if you were thinking that, even if you're thinking, yeah, well, God could raise him from the dead, you know, like, even if you're really believing God's promise, what would you be thinking? You're a, if you're a dad, if you're not a dad, just imagine, yeah, what would you be thinking like me? I hope I've got it right. Can you imagine having that sort of faith? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It seems downright nonsensical, but assured that God is going to do just what he's promised. 
looking without alarm from circumstances that threaten to make the fulfillment impossible, looking from that to the bare word of God's unswerving truthfulness. Why shouldn't you? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't I? Why shouldn't you actually practice that? Because you know what? Because it's absolutely attainable. Imagine stepping like from stone to stone until we're so far out from the shore of human expediency and we're leaning on the arm of Jesus. This test, this test, for Abraham, it really goes to the heart. And my tests have too. A few weeks ago I was away, several of you know, I, um, I'll let you all know, but I was away just for a few days on my prayer retreat. I do this four times a year up at the, uh, at the monastery there, and you've got a little, little room. It's, it's, I mean, it's comfortable, but it's quite spartan. So in your room, there's just a little single bed, there's a desk, there's a chair, and that's it, you know? And I'm, I'm there for four days, and, um, you know, coming off, I was going to say coming off the end, but in the middle, a long, long, long journey, and praying and asking God. And you know what he says to me during that time? He talks to me, and since the very beginning of this journey, since, since reading the books from my much-loved sister, Absolute Surrender, been talking to me about surrender, Jeff, this is about surrender. And I can't even describe to you like, what that's meant for me and, and how painful it's been. And so see now, do you notice, everyone notice I'm wearing a new ring? I really felt like the, I made a commitment to the Lord. It wasn't like it was going to be all over and done with now. I knew it wasn't. But this was a line in the sand, Tom, of saying, I surrender. And part of that for me was surrendering the desire for things to be the way they used to be. Because when God's doing a new thing, the old thing doesn't stay around, does it? You know, you've got to get rid of the old thing so the new thing can come. And he was... Explain that. And so I knew that I had to get some sort of a monument that would be with me for the rest of my life to mark that time. I was thinking about a ring or a tattoo, but I spoke to my daughter and she said, A ring! <laughs> no tattoos! <laughs> so I got a ring. And on the middle of this, on the inside of this ring, you can look at it sometime if you want to, it's engraved. It says total surrender. Um, you know, it's not easy. Tests. This test, do you notice that it didn't outrage Abraham like it outrages me? Like we can't get our heads around it, and nor probably should we. But I can tell you this, it's a different time right now. And so I'm not trying to say at all that, that, it, that it would be right to kill your son, but... It didn't outrage him too much. And one of the reasons for that was it was actually the gods, the small g gods, were often asking this of people. So it was frighteningly common to do that sort of thing. But if you track it and you'll see here, and if you just want to trust me on this, because it's not the main purpose, of main point of what we're saying today, that this is the second last time, not the last time, this is the second last time in history that God would ever ask a father. Kill his son. And I think you know the, the last time, don't you? When a father has to sacrifice his only son.
it had never happened again after. Three long days of trekking, he sees the place way off in the distance. He tells the servants, stay here with the donkey. Him and Isaac head off on foot. Look at this. He places the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the knife and the fire. As the two of them went on together, Isaac said, hey, father. Yes, my son Abraham replied. "Um, Dad, we've got the wood and the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Don't cold silence. You throw me into agony like I can't even describe just reading those words to you have my innocent little boy asking me that I collapse then and there I run away God will provide a lamb my son God will provide a lamb and they both went on together Tests do go to your heart, don't they? And the further into your heart they go, the more they're testing. Testing, it's all about learning, all about growing, all about proving. You Are you being tested? It's a little too hard, a lot too long. Someone told you you're dreaming. And they arrive at the very spot and Abraham builds an altar. He builds it branch by branch. He gets that wood and... And he's calling you too, friend, for your price, for your courage, for your vulnerability, for your hard work, your obscurity, your quiet retreat, your training. And you'll need to build an altar too if you're going to pass the test. And then he ties Isaac up. He ties up his son. He lays him on the altar right on top of the wood. He takes the knife. He lifts it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. Surely, surely Abraham knew, didn't he? Like, because he said, the boy and I are going to be coming back down. But if you're Abraham now and you've got the knife up in the air, like you really still, man, I must have got that wrong somehow. You don't imagine that he got that knife up in the air and thought, oh man, we haven't got too long left, God, for you to come through now. The bigger the test, the more good that's at stake. As Abraham passes the test, at that moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, he answered, I'm listening. <laughs> Lay down the knife, the angel said. Do not hurt the boy in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Over. It's over. He's passed the test. Tests aren't always that quick, friends. They're not always that quick. They're not always that deep either. But they don't always end suddenly. Oftentimes we don't even know they're over till they are over. The tests do finish. They do wind up. I love this. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a bush. So he took the ram and sacrificed it it as a burnt offering on the altar in place of his son. Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. That's that's a name for God, you know, given now. It's Jehovah Jireh, if you've heard that before. It's one of the many Old Testament names for God. This place is called, the name of this place, like you think, we're at at Mill Park Baptist Church now, right? Well, no, 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 we're at the Lord will provide. 
The name of the place is the Lord will provide. Look at this. Um, my beautiful daughter, Hayley. Um, could you put that next photo up, please, Ina? Look at this. This is uh, letting you right in. This is Deb's and my uh, bathroom at home. <laughs> yeah, and see, can you read up on, this, on the screen there? Because Hayley um, engraved that up on our, on our mirror. God will provide. It's been there for a few years now. God will provide. This name, it says in the Bible, has now become a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you've obeyed me. And he goes on and says, you know, because you've obeyed me, now I'm going to, you just be assured I'm going to fulfill my promise to you. Because you've obeyed me. The bigger the test, friends, the more good that's at stake. Now I wanted to ask you one more time, are you in the testing ground? it a mammoth test you didn't see it coming but now here you are you're embroiled in strained relationships clash of values confusing relationship dynamics and the longer it goes on the more uh, yeah it seems like it's a test it's testing your resolve it's testing your love it's testing your patience you thought that you weren't doing too bad in love and resolve and patience didn't you now it's testing well are you your boss at work is questioning you pressuring you in fact um, you have to improve the results so we've got a bit of a different way for you to do this job now and actually that means that you're gonna have to tell lies She's at you and she's pursuing you. She's testing your integrity, testing your mettle, testing your conviction now to stand up and to stand out. You thought you were doing okay. You thought you had integrity. You thought you had mettle. You thought you could stand up and stand out. But now we're testing, which we're seeing, can you? Like me, I made this great saying last year I made it, you know. I said, I posted it on Facebook. I said, I don't like what I have to endure in order to learn endurance. How would God teach me endurance? How would God teach you patience? How would God teach you love? How would God teach me humility? You test it. Test it to see if I got it. Look again in Hebrews chapter 11. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had promised him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham assumed that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. The bigger the test, the more good that's at stake. So, as we finish our time together and, and cheer each other on, which is the big purpose of why we're here today this is God's idea that we're together to do this we cheer each other on when the test comes in your life it doesn't say if the test comes <laughs> when the test comes a couple of suggestions for you you need to hang on hang on tight to God's promises in your test my friend this week in your test bring Abraham to mind. Imagine him on his way up to Mount Moriah. So he calls the place, the Lord will provide, God will provide, and he says, hey, we'll be back down. His instincts are screaming at him. I mean, I would be running away. I know I would. I, I couldn't go up the mountain. 
but he is tenaciously hanging on. He's like a sailor strapped to the deck of the boat in the storm. God is bound. Listen, God is bound to be as good as his word, and he is not going to let you down. Hang on tight. As for God, his way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He's a shield for all who look to him for protection. Now, deliverance is not usually going to come until you get to Mount Moriah. Doesn't often come at the foot of the hill. Doesn't often come back in camp. It's like, oh, no, I was only joking. Don't bother going. Deliverance probably won't come till you get to Mount Moriah. My friend, the place where God has got to provide, and if he doesn't provide, you'll sink. The bigger the test, the more good that's at stake. And secondly, why don't you just try and stay brave and courageous? Way, way easier said than done, I know. We don't want to give pat answers here this morning. We don't want useless rhetoric, you know. But, but you can stay brave and courageous especially when you've got your brothers and your sisters cheering you on. When you're weak, when you're faltering, when you're thinking it's a little too hard, a lot too long, when it's the ninth week of that detective training school and you're heartily sick of studying four or five hours a night, your brain's like mush. You can be brave and courageous, especially with your brothers and sisters cheering you on. Look at this. Yet I'm confident I'll see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. It's going to come. It's going to come. Be brave and courageous while you're waiting. Wait patiently for the Lord. The bigger the test, the more good that's at stake. And just finally, friends, just remember, it's a test. Listen, listen to this. This is really important. If you keep your eyes opened, I mean, Abraham did. The boy and I will be back. Son, God will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. You see, Abraham is viewing this. His vision is of this as a test. And when I see into my situation as a test, this is critical. This is going to help you. When I see into my situation as a test, even if it's mammoth, even if I think he's dreaming, when I see it as a test, I've got a whole different outlook I got a whole different countenance everything is different about that than if I see it as man this is just an accident this is just an annoying person who's trying to make my life hard this is this is someone who's hurting me this is my unfair boss who I'm suing now This is, this is my mental illness that will not go away. You see, if I'm seeing my circumstances like that, they're just these circumstances, I'll have a whole different outlook and a whole different countenance to if I'm saying, hey, it's a test. Big one. Mammoth. It's long, but it's a test. Right now, friends, right now, why don't we pray? Why don't you just grab your situation as we pray? Can I ask you to grab your situation? And I'll, I'll ask now for the Holy Spirit to help us. Holy Spirit, would you help us in doing this? 
Every person who wants to be able to do this, grab your situation, your frustration, your circumstances, your hurt, the thing that's hurting you, the thing that's stretching you, what's testing your patience, what is disturbing you, what's annoying you. Can you see it as a test? And the bigger the test, the more good that's at stake. Tests are all about learning and growing and proving. And you see it as a test. Thank you, Jesus.